Hey guys, it's Robert Gardner with the Robert Gardner Wellness Podcast. I'm here with Jeremy Simpson to discuss wild hogs and hunting management, sustainability issues in Texas. Jeremy, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Glad to be here. Cool. So you educate me because I am uh, limited in my knowledge base in regards to wild hogs. What are the things that you really want the, the listeners to learn about? What are the things that you run into in your your field that you wish people understood better? There are a lot of misconceptions that people have when it comes to wild hogs in Texas. A lot of misunderstandings. There are obviously a lot of different types of, of hunters. There are different types of people and everybody has their own opinion and they're all entitled to that. I think that there are unfortunately some opinions on what we do that people have come to draw without any real knowledge of the subject. We take care of a lot of peanut land up in West Texas, Northwest Texas, where people are providing the peanuts for the peanut companies like Jiffy and Peter Pan, those types of places that are providing the peanut butter that everybody eats that we put in our kids' lunches, that kind of stuff. These pigs, if they were left unchecked, would destroy that industry. Talking with my landowners, we've got from the, the consensus that I've gathered from different landowners that I have, if left unchecked, these pigs would destroy upwards of 50 to 60% of their crops yearly, which obviously you can imagine the, the monetary issues that that would present to them and the sustainability of the peanut crops and industries in Texas. I will admit I, I'm a novice. I'm, I'm interested in hunting. I don't come from a hunting family, don't know anything about it. I walked into the hog group that I've been following for a year or so, getting little snippets of information. And as soon as I said, hey, podcast, people looked at me like the game warden had just walked in and was getting ready to get information on somebody. And I was like, whoa, did I step into a landmine? <laughs> That's an unfortunate part of society today. There, yeah. are, there have been, lately, there have been a couple of different groups that have come from the same angle that you're coming from as far as asking and looking for information. And then when they put that information out, they spun it in a negative light. And they've made the people look quite cruel, honestly. They, they put them in a light that doesn't suit what their, their true intentions are yeah. or the things they're doing. And, and so people are a little bit skeptical right now of people coming in from an outside angle. and, and I, asking. Just to, for my followers, just to give some background, I, in the past couple of years, I've been primarily eating towards a carnivore diet, which means my primary sustenance is beef and beef fat. I have some other meats here and there, but my body has responded very well to that. I've been watching Meat Eater with Steve Ranella, And the thing about Steve that drew me in was he seemed to tie together all of these interests I had, which was like sustainability and stewardship, land management, and also just sane policy in regards to hunting. The reason I wrote on the, the hog group was like, to me as a native Louisianan, I live in Austin now, but I grew up in Louisiana. Nutria are a problem. They are an invasive species, and they've tried to get Cajuns to eat their way out of the problem. <laughs> but in Texas, the, the, the big issue seems to be wild hogs. So to me, it was a no-brainer. It's like they're a pest. They're not a native species. They're hurting people's crops. We can, we can eat our way. We can hunt our way out of the problem for the most part. I understood very quickly just from the brief responses and phone calls I've had so far 
just how deep all of the issues go from gun rights to politics to land management to taxes to federal organizations you know you just you need a hunting license it, it gets to this weird spot where i feel like i stepped into the middle of a hornet's nest i will say one thing that speaks to the problem that the hogs are presenting in texas hogs are the only animal in texas that you do not need a hunting license to hunt if you wanted to go out and shoot predators that are eating your cattle, coyotes, anything like that, you're going to need a hunting license to do that. Deer, rabbits, birds, anything like that, you're going to have to have a hunting license. Pigs have gotten to the point in Texas where they're creating enough of an issue that the state has come in and said, you no longer need a hunting license to hunt pigs. We need them kept in check. Unfortunately, you'll never... Hunting will never control the pig population in Texas by itself. Yeah. Regardless of how great people can be at it, there's no way that we'll ever get it completely under wraps just by hunting in Texas. Then the issue becomes hunters play a, a vital portion of a role in management. Then is it trapping? How are they uh, trying to handle like dealing with this? Because I don't know anything about peanut crops. I, when you started talking about peanuts, I was like, oh, pigs, that's a problem. You know, peanuts are in the ground. They're rooting around, probably destroying all their peanut crop. But it's something that me, as somebody who lives in Austin, I just don't think about. Correct. You know, the peanuts are, are an issue up here. There's peanuts all the way down the south. I'm actually from Marble Falls, right up the road from you. I've been in Lubbock since 2003. And I've been doing this for the last few years around here, helping the peanut farmers out. It doesn't matter if it's peanuts or if it's corn, soybeans, the rice fields down around Houston. There are a lot of agricultural industries in Texas that are greatly affected by the pigs and the damage that they do. When you look at the way the economics work in it with the costation of, of the products that you're getting from those farmers, they're having to figure losses in due to these pigs, which then raises the price in your local grocery store on the products that these pigs are tearing up in the fields. You know, you can never take care of them with, with hunting. Trapping is effective as well. I do believe that with a, a mixture of hunting and trapping together, if it's done properly, that you can control it. What are the issues you see with the trapping? Like when you say it's done properly, what, what's a manifestation of improper? Okay, the, the intelligence levels of pigs are what a lot of people take for granted. They say that pigs have the cognitive ability of a four-year-old child, which might not sound like much, but if you take a four-year-old and you put them in an environment where they harm themselves, or they have one of their little friends get harmed, they see the things that cause harm, and then they're going to remember that, and they're going to respond accordingly to that harm when they're put in that position again. So what happens with the trapping is people will set a trap out and especially with the ones that are not cellular controlled, the ones that are just tripwire controlled, they've got some kind of dummy rig on them that causes the trap door to close and catches a couple of pigs. Now what happens is you get a group of 20 to 30 pigs, which are running in a sounder, which is what a group of pigs is called. They're gonna come in around this trap. The trap closes on one or two pigs. The other 18 or 20 or 28 or however many are there, learn to stay away from that trap. At that point, that trap becomes ineffective for those pigs the piglets that will be raised with those pigs in generational going down the line. Um, now, there are other traps that, like I, I was uh, mentioning, that are cellular controlled. So people can see in, in, a, in their phone when the, the trap is full with the pigs and they've got all the pigs in the, in the inside the, the trap, basically. They hit a switch, the trap falls, traps all of the pigs. 
So it's, it's effective in that. But like I say, to really, really get a grasp on the, the hog population, it's going to take effective trapping as well as thermal and helicopter hunting for these pigs to get it done. When I, when I speak of hunting these pigs, I do not mean somebody sitting in a deer blind with their, their granddad's deer rifle and yeah. shooting pig every other day or one pig a week. That, that will not ever help control the population of these pigs with the, the amount of pigs that are, are reproducing and as fast as they're reproducing. Yeah. I am, am so taken aback again to just like walk into what felt like a little bit of a hornet's nest and realize I'm completely out of my element. Because I talked to several people and it's like, man, it started to get weird real quick because in Texas, property rights is a big deal. People have a real sense of like, this is my land. You know, I should be able to do certain things on it. And when it, whew. <laughs> It's a big deal in Texas. It is. And I understand from these farmers' point of views, I've been very lucky that I've been able to get in with the people that I am in with that allow me to take care of the land. But it was a, it was not an easy, short process. There were a lot of, a lot of proving myself that had to have been done to get that. And a lot of people don't understand in Texas that you've got some of these people that, that own this land and there's so much liability out there of somebody coming on and shooting a tractor or shooting a pivot, which irrigation system, shooting a cow, all of these different things. And, and while they're monetarily replaceable, it burns the trust factor. Yeah. Uh, and that, you know, you get some of these guys that have owned this land for generations and one bad experience with one person can hurt everybody's opportunity and chance to get on that land. The, the stewardship, again, as a novice, watching Steve Ranella, him riding the line between harvesting animals and understanding that like the lottery system for certain species, he was hunting mountain goats in a recent, recent episode, and I don't have as much background with it. So to understand, okay, he, he drew a tag for this mountain goat, very different than hogs. And he's like, I can't draw another tag. I can't even apply for another seven years. He's like, this might be the last time I ever get a chance. I'm like, wow, I, I just, it's a, a window into this world that's just unknown to me. And when I got the photos from you, I was laughing hysterically because I think from, no offense to people, but it's like if you're a city slicker and you see a guy leaning on a mountain of hogs, you're like, that's absurd. And it's like, they're like rats. They're pests. They're destroying people's land. This is just, you know, yeah. Exactly. What I've told people, if you can, if you can step on a cockroach in your kitchen, or if you can trap a mouse in your garage and you're not losing sleep over that, you shouldn't lose sleep over people taking care of the pigs that are the same type of nuisance to these farmers. I'd see the divide. And even when I talk to some friends about this, they, were, were interesting. They were kind of like, dude, what are you, <laughs> what are you doing? You're, you're stepping into like Republican central, you know, gun owning. And I'm like, wait a second, wait a second. Okay. I mean, yes, I'm stepping into a, a different population of people who are dealing with rural concerns. The pigs are probably encroaching on cities in various ways. Like I've seen photos, I think here in like Georgetown or something where they've had an occasional pig run through a parking lot. <laughs> but when people only have any interaction with animals as pets or picking up meat at a grocery store, 
I don't think they really understand the difference between like a farmer has a cow that's not a pet. This is a, you know, part of the farming environment and resources that they're dealing with land management. And then hogs are coming along and like destroying things and, you know, causing, just wreaking havoc essentially. It's a strange construct because for me on the outside, this is me again as a novice, I went, they're a pest, they're edible, and in Louisiana, that's how we solve problems. But then you're dealing with all this increasing complexity because the hogs don't care about your law. <laughs> they don't care about property rights. They don't. It, not only that, but they also don't care about the traffic laws. You know, living, living where you're living, if you look at the tollway that has gone out just outside of Austin, Look at the amount of, tra of traffic fatalities, traffic accidents that happen just on that little stretch of road that you can tie directly to feral pigs. It, it, and, you know, when you talk about city slickers and you talk about Republicans and, and Democrats, all of those folks, they're all people that are in some way or another are going to be affected by these animals at some point or another. Their take on proper management, they may have extremely differing opinions, which is okay, but they're all going to be affected in some way at some point by yeah. It's, it's just as I'm, I'm using the podcast to reach out to different audiences, it was just almost painful for me to start to hear some of the same issues in regards to government control. And what came up, I think very quickly was, is it Warfarin? Am I pronouncing that correctly? Warfarin. Warfarin. Yeah. Can you explain what that is very briefly and how that affects hog hunting and issues? They came out with a poison that similar went to release that basically would, the hogs would ingest and it would cause them to, the problem was there were other animals that are out there that are not the target animals that are, that are becoming casualties due to this poison. You, you have a pig that eats it and dies that has the, the poison in it. You're going to have the vultures that are eating the pigs. You're going to have coyotes that are eating the pigs. You're going to have songbirds that come in and might eat out of the same corn feeder as the pigs that are, that have this warfare. In it. And if, while pigs are an issue, Poisoning the other wildlife around is obviously not going to be the right, right way to go about taking care of the pigs. Are there, and again, because it's unknown to me, are people still using this like commonly to poison pigs? Not legally. Not legally. Not legally. I, I do, okay. I do hear stories of farmers that go out and, you know, these, these farmers aren't shooting the pigs. They don't have people like me out shooting them. They are putting out buckets of poison and whatever dies, dies. These guys, they want to protect their land. They want to protect their crops. They don't have pets running around the area. They don't have cattle running around the area. So if a, a pig comes in and eats it or a cow comes in and eats it or a crow or a mockingbird, a squirrel, it's, it's really not bothering them because their main goal is to take care of their crops and their land. Yeah. What are some of the things that you see in regards to these issues that you'd like to bring to more light? The things that you wish the public understood about the issue? There is a huge opportunity to take care of multiple issues with this hog problem that we're missing out on in the state of Texas. I have, and many other people like me, have looked at doing things to feed hungry people. You know, we have a lot of people in our communities that, that don't have a good source of meat. They don't have a good source of protein. They can't go down and pick out the steaks that they want and make, you know, the sausage and the bacon and all the other things from the store that some of us take for granted because financially they're not able to. If the, the government would open up a little bit and, and understand that there are avenues that we can take to feed these people that are in need 
with these animals that were harvesting off these crops, it would basically kill two birds with one stone, if you will. You know, I know that myself and uh, my friends, my company, the, the, my clients, I'm fairly certain we could feed the hungry population for a pretty big distance around Lubbock, where I live, by ourselves, were the government to open up and allow us to, to do that without trying to have too much overreach and, and step in. And I understand that they want to protect by making sure that the animals are safe and they're processed properly and all of these things. But if, if they were to allow people like myself to, to donate these pigs and have them properly processed and give them to hungry families, it would be done in the same facilities that they already allow things like Hunters for the Hungry. Hunters for the Hungry, you can go down yourself and you can, you can shoot a pig and you can go drop it off at a processing facility and pay them $50. They'll process that pig and they'll donate it through the game wardens and other people to, to places that need it. Yeah. The problem is at $50 a pig, when, when these farmers and these landowners have folks like me come out to take care of them, they, they don't want two or three pigs killed. They don't want you know, you'd round them up and wait until the next time you've got another two or $300 or, or $500 that you can go and donate to getting these pigs processed. They want the pigs gone or they're going to find somebody else that'll come out and make them gone. That being said, if we could take these animals that we are harvesting, I think that we could, we could definitely help out our fellow Texans that need it. When you go out and, and kill a hog, you can keep the, the meat for your own personal consumption. It is not legal for you to sell it. Correct. Okay, and you also cannot give it away. You cannot sell it for human consumption. There are, there are a couple of companies in the state of Texas that will take those pigs and they will buy them and use them in dog food. They'll use them in, in animal nutrition. So there are people out there that do that. I, I do know people personally that they fund their addiction to the hunting with, with selling those animals to the, the dog food companies. So wild hogs are going to the same, is it the abattoir? They're going to the same processing facility that uh, farm pigs are going to, am I correct? Yes and no, they, they can. They would be going to the same facilities though that a deer or, or some of these other, generally in the area that I'm in, you're gonna have the, the processing facilities are gonna take care of animals that are coming produce, coming off of the you know, livestock. And you're also gonna have wild pigs, wild deer, those types of animals all going through the same facility, which have to have all of their certifications. They get inspected. They, they have to pass the inspections, all of that stuff to make sure that they're safe to process these meats before people consume them regularly. And for the concern that I'm assuming it's a USDA inspected facility, is the main concern trichinosis? That is going to be a concern. I think there are more than more than just that on their their plate. But the issue that we have is with the hunting part of it. They want to be able to inspect the animals while they're alive, or you can't donate them. Mm. Obviously, with what we talked about with the trapping, you're not going to completely control the population. Now, if you catch them in a trap, you can take those pigs and you can put them in a pen and have somebody come by and check them and then donate them and, and do whatever you would like. However, again, for what we're going for, that's going to be a very small portion of, of the total uh, harvest. Yeah. So you don't need a hunting license. There's no season on pigs. 
are they primarily hunting the pigs at night? To be effective at them, yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, and then do the animals sort of, I want to say hibernate, do they, do they lay low during the day, during the heat of the day? They'll, they'll lay low. Basically, they're going to stay out of the line of sight. They, don't, they are smart enough to know that if they are seen, they're going to get shot at. Whether the farmer has a gun in his truck or whatever happens, they know better than to be seen. So they do travel more at night, especially in the areas that we're in. We have a lot of wide open agricultural fields up here that are cultivated fields. You know, you can see, I, I make jokes to clients that you come to West Texas and you can watch your dog run away for a week and the fields are that flat. So, <laughs> you know, pigs have got to travel a long way to get into some of these fields at night or to get into them to eat anytime. So it's obviously safer for them to do it at night. As somebody who appreciates fine dining, good food, you can't shoot hogs and then sell the meat unless it's inspected. Am I getting that correct? You, you can't shoot a wild hog and sell it regardless. Okay. But you can't even donate it without it being inspected. You can donate it. All right. So you, you, with, Once it's inspected, you could donate it. Yes. Yeah. And then restaurants. There are not restaurants because I'm in Austin. There are not restaurants in Austin serving that I've ever seen wild hog on their menu. There, there are, okay, but they're doing it. They're not using the wild hog like we're talking about. Generally, they're they're using a hog that has been trapped and then brought into a captive facility and then fed up a little bit okay. and and then slaughtered. I don't think you're going to run into many places in Austin where they're going to have a boar, you know, or a big a big guilt that was out in the field that was shot the night before that is brought in and you're getting some some ribs and uh, some some bacon and that type of stuff. Now, I've heard, I haven't experienced it myself, but I've heard in Europe, they actually do have people that will go out and, and shoot pigs for some of these restaurants and they will serve true wild pork on their menu. And, and it's it's a delicacy to those, those folks. Yeah. Oh, I, I've had enough conversations with hunters so far that I've, I've drooled several times just at the thought. For those of you who have not had the experience, wild game has a very different flavor because it's not primarily fattened on corn. There's a, a rustic flavor that goes with game meats that I, hold, I find holds up very well to grilling and smoking because the smokiness and that gaminess kind of meet each other. I think of it as you know high cuisine and art. It's something that I'm really interested in. And the more I focused on carnivore diet and eating more meat and fat, it made me more interested in it. One thing that I will say that a lot of people don't take into consideration is when you're talking about eating wild game, the geography of the land that the people are hunting in makes a big difference in the way the animal's gonna taste. If you come in our area, these pigs are eating mostly wheat, corn, and peanuts. They're not really scavenging and, and doing some of the stuff like they even have to do around Austin. There's not as much agriculture around Austin. So the pigs around there are not going to be eating it. They're going to be eating more wild grass. They're going to be digging for earthworms. They're going to have that type of diet. And the, the taste, the texture, all of the things you're talking about are going to be much different from a, a true wild hog here to a true wild hog where you're at, just due to the, the crops that they're able to eat every day. So a lot of people don't realize that the food that these pigs around here are eating are pretty much the same things that would be fed to a pig in a feed lot to fatten one up. I mean, the corn, the peanuts, that kind of stuff. 
that's that's what they're eating up here already. So we have really, really good tasting wild game. The fat, the fat layers in the animals are a good way of being able to tell, as you were uh, alluding to them having a corn diet and, and getting fat with that. People that, that come up here regularly talk about the, the fat on our animals being a lot heavier than what they're used to in other areas that they've hunted. We have actual pigs that have enough fat to have bacon on a wild pig, which is not, not a common deal around Texas. Yeah. The, uh, the, the preparation methods, growing up in Louisiana, it was much more heavy in uh, chicken, pork, and seafood. It took a little bit of an adjustment time for me to get acclimated more towards beef, and I've learned to appreciate it very deeply. Then, being in the local region, I just feel like there's this whole side of Texas that I haven't had a chance to see. When I was watching Steve Rinella and on Mediator, went, he, there was several episodes where he went through part, portions of Texas and it was hunting like, I think, Axis deer and some other you know antelope species that I had never heard of that are, again, are not native. But I think the reason that they're not you know, on the news as much is they're not as debilitating or destructive to the local economy or like farmers crops right yeah, yeah. You, you've got a lot of different opportunity in texas not all caught in the wild game but as far as the damage the, the animals that are causing the damage to the local landowners there's nothing that comes close to hogs what is one of the the primary things you, you'd like to see you, you talked about government and you'd like to see government restrictions sort of loosened on your capacity to be able to harvest hogs and give that meat away to them. What other things would you like to see that you think would help with the management of them as a pest? You know, I, I don't know that I have a lot of suggestions on that. There are a lot of people that have thrown things out that have already been put into practice. You have counties that will put a bounty on the pigs. You know, you've got people that go out and they'll get They'll, they'll have to take the tail off the pig when they harvest it, and they'll take a bag full of tails into the, the person that's running this operation with the county, and they'll get 5 or $10 per pig and a bounty for the pigs. They're trying to take care of them that way. You've got the, the loosened regulations for the hunting license. Now, you do still have to have hunter's education in the state of Texas or one of the states that, that Texas will recognize in order to hunt them in Texas, but you do not have to have a license. With, with some of the things that the state's already doing in the different counties and local municipalities are doing to take care of the pigs. There's a lot of different ideas floating around already. So I'm not going to say that I have any kind of original idea that, that would you know be groundbreaking by any means. I just think that if, if there was enough money put into the research of the harvest that we have and seeing if there is a safe alternative to getting these pigs in front of people that need them, I think that with Quite honestly, I can name four, three or four, maybe five groups of people around the state of Texas that do what I do that are as effective as we are. And I, I am confident in saying that if the state would step up and have a program developed that could test the meat and give the meat to people that needed it, we could just amongst me and my friends feed a majority of the hungry people in Texas with protein. That sounds like a very large claim. That sounds astronomical to some folks but when you consider myself and, and my friends here locally will kill two or three thousand pigs you, you do that at four or five different places around around the state you're killing you know 
put it at 20,000 pigs in a year uh, with, with some of the groups that do it with the helicopters and whatnot, that, that that's a low number. You start getting those pigs processed. It might take a little while to get caught up, but once you, once you do it for a while, there's going to be enough meat rolling in to keep some of these hungry folks, most of these hungry folks fed. And that's because just completely mind boggling to me. I, I'm aware of grass finished beef and elements related to sustainable farming and rotational grazing and stuff that I've looked up as I'm kind of going, you know, this direction, but not having lived in a rural area where hogs were a problem. Like when you sent me the photos, I just went, <laughs> you think, oh, it's like a, a guy's hunting whitetail deer and he's got one deer. He's proud that he killed this one deer. It's like, here's a mountain of hogs. <laughs> That, that's in that's in a one night deal, uh, and we can we go out multiple times a week, and these these hogs just keep reproducing, and they they continue to show back up, and they're they're everywhere. When you when you harvest, you know, say twenty hogs in a night, are you actually cleaning and processing those yourself with your friends and hunters? Not always. Now we have we give the opportunity to the hunters when they come in if they want to take those. My primary concern at this point in time with with my hands being handcuffed the way they are, I can't get rid of these pigs. Even if I were to clean all of them and, and try, I can't do anything with them. If they caught me trying to give them away to people, I can be fined, I, they, can, they can come after me. So unfortunately, until something changes with the, the laws and the regulations, we have, we have to dispose of the pigs. We have these farmers will create places for us to dispose of the pigs. And, we have to get these pigs gone because they just keep replicating and duplicating. And you know, they're gonna, they're gonna be more and more of them out there to the point that there's not gonna be any ability to, to sustain the agriculture in the area. Yeah, it, it's, it's interesting to me, I'm, I'm trying to figure out. So when you go out and you take care of a, is it, you call it a sounder? Is that the whole group of pigs? Yes, sir. Yeah, and then you, you get, you know, 18 out of the 20. Since you've killed those pigs, you're not able to actually clean one of those and take some of that meat home with you? With us, yes. Now, we can do that. We, we oh, some okay. of the pigs, what I'm saying is with the number, with what we have going on, with the number of pigs that we're responsible to take care of, if everybody had all, every room in their home full of freezers and stuff, we, we would have them full and we would not use all the meat. We can take enough and we can have the hunters, when they come out, take enough with them to fill up their coolers and all of that, but it in no way touches being able to, to put all of the pigs that we're taking to use. So okay. there are, there is waste involved and we, none of us like that. There's nobody that, that loves and enjoys the fact that these animals are going to waste, but it's an unfortunate truth in, in what we're having to do right now for these farmers that until something changes in the regulations, there's gonna be waste on these. Yeah, in, in my world, I'm listening to it and I'm like, it sounds like rats. It's like, I, it went from like, this is a delicacy in its pork to like, it's rats, man. They're a pest. They, these, yeah. They're destroying things. Like it, there's so much of it, we can't even, you know, deal with the problem. Like we're, we're trying to management, manage it, excuse me. But the issue is so big that like me and my hunter friends can't, you know, wipe this out alone. Like there needs to be more, it sounds like systemic management between trapping and hunting and, and various things to be able to try to manage the problem. Correct. If everybody were to work together on the trapping and the, the thermal and the helicopter hunting, I think that we could probably at least curb the problem 
in the state. We're never going to do away with them. They are an invasive species. But I don't think that anybody wants to completely eradicate the whole population of pigs altogether because they are part of the ecosystem now. You know, there are people that, there are a lot of people that enjoy hunting them on their deer lease that aren't going out and, you know, going out with a guide or an outfitter. They're just a guy and his son sitting in a deer blind somewhere and waiting for deer to walk out and a pig walks out. They enjoy that. Yeah. Uh, but I think that with the, the, the different aspects of hunting that we can offer with the trapping as well, I think that it provides an opportunity to deal with the pigs without having to introduce poison into the ecosystem, which will potentially damage other animals that we don't want to have any harm done to. When hogs are in an area and they're destroying uh, habitat, for native flora and fauna. Is it hurting other specific game species like deer? Hogs will eat baby. I had one of my, my farmers, landowners, whatever you want to call them, call me this year and he was pretty distraught because there was a group of uh, a few larger hogs that were circling a newborn calf in the, the field. And that's out in the middle of the open in the middle of the day where a farmer's gonna be able to see them. So I can only imagine the type of other offspring that these pigs are going to be eating and, and putting it as part of their diet. There's a lot of, I don't, I don't want to say rumor, but it's kind of a rumor around the state of Texas that the rattlesnakes in these areas have stopped rattling because these pigs will eat them. They, they use it as a location mechanism and they, they find these rattlesnakes and, and eat them. Whether that's true or not, I can say that they definitely do not rattle in my area. You, you can step right in the middle of a rattlesnake and seldomly will ever you hear one of them rattle. So I, I can only assume due to that kind of stuff that they are affecting the other native wildlife in the area with the overpopulation that we have of them. Yeah, the, the, the ecology of it is, is so, so complex. I can't even uh, fathom who's doing research from what local universities to be able to try to figure out how wild hog populations are affecting other native you know, fauna. It would be great to know. It would be one more, one more thing that we could use in, in the fight against them. I mean, knowledge, I think, would help bring everybody from all different walks of life together. If there was more readily available knowledge from sources that folks trusted, unfortunately, there, there are a lot of people that walk around the sidewalks there in Austin with you that won't listen to the things that I say and think that it's a, an educated outlook on it. However, where there are a university coming up and finding the same results and putting it into publication, I think that that would open up a lot more eyes that are shielded to it otherwise. The, the wild hogs that are running around Texas, I'm assumed genetically are related to wild hogs across the United States. Are these just domesticated pigs that got loose at some point historically or like what, where, does, where does that word genetically, do you know? I'd be lying if I acted like I was a, an expert in that subject. I've, I've been told that there were pigs that were released, you know, years and years, century or decades ago, I should say, around coastal areas that people released them to hunt that have spread. There have been you know, numerous stories of pig farms that have released their pigs out to the wild. You've got some of the Russian boar, which I, I can say that in seeing one or two groups of pigs where we are in a night, you'll see that there's a lot of different genetics there. You'll have some of the pigs that have more of the Russian boar uh, look to it with the, the big broad shoulders up front, the ridge back on it, long tusks. 
that type of stuff. And then you'll also see, you know, a pig that looks like a ham walking around. It's got multiple colors and, you know, fat and stocky and equal all the way through the body. Yeah. So there's a lot of different genetics that have gotten into these pigs. And with the way that they reproduce as often as they do, uh, it, there's no telling anymore what's what. Is, is the javelina, I didn't know anything, again, Steve Ranella, like I, I'm a complete noob here. Uh, Steven Ranella was talking about the javelinas in South Texas. Are the javelina a, a wild pig that's a little bit smaller? It looked like it was... I believe I'm saying that properly. Yeah. Uh, I'd be butchering that, but it is not. It's more of a rodent. Okay. Uh, it's a family where the, the pig is not, they're not genetically related. Oh, okay, cool. I, I wasn't quite sure. It looked like it was maybe similar, but... They look very similar, and a lot of people make that mistake. Javelinas are actually regulated by the state of Texas on your hunting license and the hunting regulations. You're only allowed to kill a certain amount in each area a year, where, again, the pigs are open season year-round. Yeah, it's just so much to learn. Just the species in Texas, and then, uh, just for my clarification, I, I don't think about this, because I, I work in the massage industry. Everybody thinks of rainbows and unicorns. And every state I go to is a new set of laws and they're interpreted and enforced differently. And I can go to Arkansas and can't give a massage, but I can teach a class and it sometimes doesn't make sense. If I go to Louisiana, I have to have a separate hunting license. If I go to Arkansas, I have to have a separate hunting license. Right. So I got to get a new hunting license in all those states if I'm going to those states to hunt, correct? Depending on the, the, the actual state regulations in those states. And yeah. that's an unfortunate part of the outdoor industry now is a lot of these states charge a, a lot of money for people to come in from out of state and hunt. Texas is that way. Um, what it would cost somebody to come in from an out of state and hunt a deer, it's kind of surprising to some people because it is not a cheap deal. So out of state licenses do have to be purchased if you're from out of state other than hunting pigs. That's one thing I'll say is that the majority of our clients come from out of state and they do not have to have a Texas hunting license if they only shoot pigs. I make that very clear to everybody right up front. If they see a coyote or anything else, we're not even looking at it. Yeah. Um, they bring that hunter's education card, though, that from their state that they, they reside in, bring it to Texas in case they're asked to provide that by game warden. Man. <laughs> it was hilarious to me to go into a completely different nothing to do with massage wild hogs and massage is about as far apart as we could get and then all of a sudden it was like government regulation licensure red tape bureaucracy i'm like oh god <laughs> that's, a, that's a whole nother podcast man there's a lot of regulation on everybody out there anymore so that's that's just kind of the world we live in yeah when you are harvesting hogs for your own personal consumption are you uh, keeping like specific cuts of the animal? Are you like, you know, cleaning like a whole hog and then serving that to friends and family? Or, because I'm, I'm, I'm hearing for some people that like, some of them are just so thin, like you can't, like in other words, you can't make bacon out of the belly. They're only harvesting like the loin and like the shoulders or something somebody mentioned to me. Depending on the size of the pig, yes. He mentioned, sorry, I gotta, in my wedding, we had a wild pig that was, uh, it was a small one. We got a, a 40 pound pig and it was split down the middle and it was thrown on a barbecue pit. It was fantastic. Everybody loved it. Um, but it was a small pig, you know, uh, it hasn't been bred. It doesn't have any of the hormones going through it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Great. Now, if you shoot one that's a little bit bigger, a lot of people that come out with us, they're shooting so many pigs rather than taking the entire pig, they will, they'll take the back straps and the hands. 
the, uh, the back straps and the hams. Did I hear that correctly? Correct. Okay. And then the back strap, I'm assuming they just grill in some form. There's a lot of preparations. And there's a lot of different, there's a, there's a gentleman, Daryl, that actually commented on your, your post. I, I, I had a phone call with him earlier today. Yeah. That means you want to talk about cooking pork in the state of Texas, that's your guy. Yeah. I don't anybody better and more knowledgeable than, than that man. So he would be good to ask about that. I know that there's a lot of different ways. Chicken fried backstrap is, is one of my favorites. Chicken uh, fried anything. <laughs> yeah, how we do it. It's very good. You can make the, the tenderloins and you can make a pork roast. You know, you can throw in the, the crock pot. That's excellent. Excellent way to do it. Pulled pork. I can go on and on, but those are the, the cuts that we generally harvest for people when they come in and they've got a certain amount of cooler space to take this stuff back. That's what we do. Now I will say that we have a couple of groups that come in and without getting into specifics, they'll bring in a semi truck or refrigerated semi truck and they'll hunt pigs for a week at a time and they'll take all of them. And they've got some mission stuff that they do where they are donating that to some people that, that, that need it. So they'll take the whole pig. Basically they cut the head off. We skin them and, and, gut them, if you will, and, and, you know, get rid of all the intestines and everything. And then they take the pigs with them. So. Yeah. The, the side of meat eater with Steve Ranella that I think was, it's easiest for people to understand the most connected is when they're eating a great meal after the hunt. Everybody understands the gustatory pleasure, the delight of like, you know, a great meal. But when I would see them make various things and you could see them in Texas specifically, like adapting Tex-Mex stuff into game meals. And like, it's the most quintessentially Texan thing I can think of. It's like when I have conversations with people about barbecue and it's kind of like, you know, for, maybe from Louisiana, barbecue is different in Louisiana. When you came to Texas, it was like, what, what is going on with those, this brisket and the beef? And then when they're like, no, this is the traditional Texas barbecue. And I'm like, dude, traditional Texas barbecue is Mexican, Czech, German, black yeah. people. Like it's all, and it became its own distinct thing, but it's such a, an amalgam of all these cultures. And then it's when it, as we said, it's good. It's good. <laughs> I love it. And then when you look at, you know, game items, it seems like, there's space within Tex-Mex, Mexican food, tacos, barbecue, chili, for all of these items to like come together in a way that I, I can't go get at a local restaurant. Right. I mean, just something as simple as Frito pie. I'm like, sounds good to me. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of different things that people do with it. And it is, it gives its own flavor and its own taste and it's all enjoyable to the people who make it. So, you know, it's not going to be for everybody. I'm not going to say that Everybody wants to go eat a, a wild pig because there's going to be people that don't want to, for the, the principle of the, the fact that it's a pig or it's a wild pig or whatever, they're not going to try it. But anywhere in Texas, you can go and you can try different styles, you know, different corners of Texas, different styles of food that are prepared with the wild game. And you'll find that you'll, you'll have a lot that's enjoyable in each different area that's different from the others. Do you notice a distinct, I mean, Texas is a huge state for those of you, my, my parents still call me from Louisiana and they, they find out if I'm okay during a hurricane. And I'm like, I'm in central Texas. Yeah. Like we're, I mean, I hate to say we almost hope that the coast gets wiped out because we get some rain here in Austin. They think <laughs> it's like Baton Rouge to New Orleans. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, I'm like, dad, I got in my car and drove to Brownsville and it took eight hours. And he's like, yeah. what? 
<laughs> it's such a big state with wild hogs is are the management issues or hunting vastly different in different regions yes east texas you got a lot of tiny woods you're, you're not going to have the ability to do quite what we do due to the fact that there's a lot more cover for the pigs and you get into far west texas and there's not very many pigs all over them as far as wild pigs go over in the, the desert areas you know over in the, the mountains there's just not a lot of pigs over there so you really don't have the issue over in that area that you have in, in central texas and south texas and east texas and west texas as far as northwest texas excuse me I, we call it west texas up here around lubbock but it's it's north texas but it, it's funny there are areas i've gotten so used to doing this there are areas that i know that a simple interstate will split where there's going to be you know a, a large wild hog population and very few pigs at all separated by an interstate uh, so the fact that the pigs will travel the way they do and they learn and they stay in certain areas it, it presents a different challenge to different people around the state on how they're going to harvest those pigs how they're going to control them the the geographic landscape changes drastically and i've not been out to west texas i've been through parts of east texas a little bit further north maybe into the panhandle you know, down to Brownsville and McAllen area before uh, driving through. West Texas, when they talk about how flat it is, is almost frightening to me. It's ugly. It's, uh, it, is not a, it is not a pretty area when you're talking about, you know, at night. It's just flat and dark. The trees that you're used to in Central Texas, we don't have the water that you're used to in Central Texas. I, it's the one thing that I miss the most about the Marble Falls area is, you know, five big lakes right there around me within about 20 minutes, and, and that was wonderful growing up. We don't have that up here. We do have a different type of landscape though that when you get used to it, it's it's kind of nice. Yeah, the, the geographic changes. I think it's hard for people out of state to understand ge geographically just how vast uh, Texas is and how much it changes from region to region. Right. Yeah. And then do you, as a critic, do you think the hogs in your area actually taste better because they're eating like commercial feed, wheat, corn, peanuts, you said, compared to like other regions. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I would much prefer to eat one up here off of the, the farmland around me than eat one down there in Central Texas, 100% of the time. And is it just a higher fat content? Is it less gamey because of uh, it's not rooting around as much? Correct. They're, I mean, the, the actual food that they're eating up here is going to be a lot like what they're eating in a food yard. Like I said before, you know, peanuts and corn and, and wheat versus wild grasses and, and grub worms and the things that they find substance in down around where you're at. Yeah. And then I'm trying to think like across species if it's any issue. I mean, most animals for food production, people don't, I think, sometimes understand this. Centralized something feeding a CAFO, like the, the animals put onto a feedlot, essentially. Are pigs causing any problems for animals on a food lot? You talked about uh, wild hogs surrounding a sound like a, a big, maybe calf. Are they causing problems for other, like domesticated species of animals? They can, but you can get pigs in. I, I know of cattle farmers who have had issues with pigs getting in and, and poisoning the water supply. Then you've got people that I've got good friends down around the Houston area that they hunt feedlots all the time because the pigs get in and they're they're constantly in there with the cows and they're, they're eating all the food. And I, I can't speak to all the issues that they have with them, but I, I definitely know they are there. Yeah. Just the 
the complexity. And again, even just talking about the state of Texas, like you could break Texas into five different states probably due to its landmass, geography, and size. So I can understand that the geography, terrain, the, the amount of farming in a certain area is gonna change you know, what's going on with the animals, animal husbandry, and then also the wild species that are dealing with, with hunting. What do you, what have you seen uh, during your lifetime? Like, have you, have you always been um, interested in hogs and like hunting? Is it something that you had in your family? I grew up hunting with my family. I did hunting and fishing outdoors. I, it's a wonderful part of the life that I've lived so far. I didn't get into what I'm doing right now on purpose. I, I was doing it as uh, a hobby and the farmers reached out to me and, and started asking me to be here more and more and more. And I've got a background in the car business. I still do that a little bit here and there, but it got to a point where they were, they were so demanding of my time that I had to step away from the car business and, and focus solely on, on the hunting out here. I wouldn't, I, I don't think that there's any question about it that I wouldn't have been able to do that had I not grown up doing the things that I, I did and learn it from a young age. And because of that, I'm, I'm a big, big advocate in trying to get anybody into the outdoors that has never been and, and teach people and let people learn and experience it because I think it's a great thing for everybody. Yeah. Uh, Steve Ranella, again, is a complete novice. Other people in the hall group were asking me questions, trying to feel me out. And I'm like, listen, I, like I had family, grew up in the country in Louisiana. I don't come from a family of hunters. I don't know anything about it. I wasn't taught anything about it. My grandfather went to Canada every so often and harvested a moose. You know, I, I remember that as a kid or whatever, but the, the hunting process, when you're dealing with guns, you're dealing with a hunting license, I don't have the equipment that, you know, I, I'm not going to go out in the woods and tie fisherman pants barefoot. <laughs> I'll see a, a video of a guy looks like he's wrestling a hog with his bare hands. And I'm like, that's not me. I, I'm not into that. Yeah. Like, I'm not going <laughs> to. It's like, that uh, sounds like I don't have great insurance. I don't think that's a good way to go. You know, the hogs, in addition, the farmers are, hunt, sorry, hunters. Hunters were talking about how. One, they're very intelligent. They're a very invasive species and dare I say downright violent. You know, to find out that hunters have a rifle, but they carry a pistol because sometimes the hog gets angry and comes at you. You're like, now, <laughs> it's like the squirrel's not gonna attack you, but a hog will. <laughs> well, while people talk about that, that's not a regular occurrence. People wonder about me a lot because I'll have my hunters out in the field and I don't carry a sidearm with me when I'm out there doing it. I've got a deer rifle, or not a deer. We've got a uh, an AR-15 generally that my my farmers or my hunters are going to have. Yeah, and that's yeah. Um, but I don't I don't worry about the pigs getting me. I don't think that they're very seldomly are you ever going to be in a position where one's going to want to come after. Yeah, uh, they're going to get away from you. And I think there's a lot of romanticism that has been created with people saying that you know the pigs are going to attack them and they're going to eat them and they're going to do this, that, and the other. There's little bit of a mixture between old gangster movies where they're feeding people the pigs and and some wild west movies and and creating this like I think the first time I saw that was old yeller there you go yeah yeah I think it's, it's, I was trying to think where did that notion come from and it's like he was up in the tree fell out the, the hogs messed him up yeah are you using uh dogs to hunt the hogs no sir I, I don't want to I don't want to step on anyone's so I I don't choose to to use the dogs that I do associates that do that. It's just not something that I do. Is there a, and the thing is, I don't want to step on toes either. Uh, is there a certain reason? Cause I, again, you know, when I put up photos, it's kind of like, well, we're hunting from a helicopter. Why, why no dogs? Is there a specific reason you prefer not to? Uh, 
there are issues, there are instances where a dog will be very uh, useful in, in hunting pigs and thick brush and things of that nature. You're not going to, I love some of you guys, you know, there's Casey and Wyatt and some of the guys that might watch this that are my buddies that dog hunt. You're not going to control the hog population with hunting with dogs. You're going to go out and they might, they might get a couple of night, three or four night, but comparatively to going out and getting 90 or 100 in a night with the, with the thermals and whatnot or going up in a helicopter and shooting 500 in a day. The dogs are going to be more of a hobby and that's fine. That's, that's everyone's right to have their hobby and, and do that. It's completely legal yeah. and uh, they, they can do that and have fun. And there's some guys out there, like I said, some of my buddies that are very good at it. So it, it sounds to me, and you correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds like you're more on the management side and the hunting side is just a, 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 a portion. You get to harvest some periodically for your own use. Yeah. Yeah. I, in what I'm doing, I've told everybody, my clients, the landowners, everything, we're here for the landowners. What we're doing is trying to protect their crops and their investments. That's where I got started and that's where I remain. I'm not trying to, while I really enjoy having people come out and hunt and everything, it's, it's a byproduct of me being here for the farmers. Yeah. Uh, it does the opportunity to have people come in and do those things and, and have a business doing so. But we are here 100% to, to keep the hogs under control. Uh, large hog piglets. I don't know if they're called piglets. Are they called piglets? Yeah. Yeah. If you have an, an eating issue, do you tend to prefer like pigs that are under a certain age? They're more tender, I guess I'd say. Less boar flavor with the older hogs? I do. Now, Daryl, the gentleman we were talking about a while ago, will, he'll put me right in my place and he'll tell everybody that I'm foolish when it comes to this. And that's okay. He's He's knowledgeable about it. I prefer a younger, younger hog. My perfect is going to be, you know, that barbecue size that I was talking about, 40 pounds, splitting it down the middle, throwing it on a barbecue pit. Fantastic. They're, they're tender. They're, they taste good. They're not old enough to have all the different hormones going through them that changes the flavor and the texture and whatnot, like you would a boar or a, a, what they call a wet sow, you know, a sow that's uh, nursing. And you also got them before they were a big problem. <laughs> Correct. And I, I always make jokes with people. It's also a lot easier to load a 40 pound pig than it is 250 pound ah. pigs. Yeah, always... I, I've seen some photos and it's like, man, it's like, does it fit in the whole bed of the pickup? Like what? <laughs> we have about, you know, three minutes, something like that. Is there anything else to like close up what we're discussing? Is there anything else that you really wish people knew about wild hogs and like management to hunting? No, one of the things that I would say is anybody that's interested in, in getting into hunting or the outdoors, use the pigs as a good gateway. They're, they're easier to hunt because they're more readily available than some of the other game animals that are out there. They're less expensive. You're not going to have somebody, well, unfortunately, there are places in Texas that charge in my opinion, an astronomical amount to go shoot a single pig or two. There are also places like myself that we don't have a limit. You can shoot at every single pig that we see because we're here to try to keep them, keep them under wraps, you know, but, but get into it. Find somewhere if you're wanting to get into the outdoors, if you're wanting to get into hunting, find somebody that can take you out, show you, teach you, explain things while you're doing it and bring the stewardship of the outdoors into your life and, and let you experience it. And then you can later share it with somebody else. There's a, a wonderful tradition, and one of the things I was a little slightly, just a little saddened about is that I learned about organic gardening and farming from the internet. 
I was growing like heirloom tomatoes and other stuff as a little hippie kid in Austin trying to make raised bed gardens. And I realized like that had died in my family. In other words, that was something that was just handed down generation to generation. You know, had, had to know how to grow, grow green beans and seasons and, you know, grow tomatoes, things like that. And I think the same thing probably happened with hunting at some point, but I lost contact with that piece. It wasn't something that was handed down in my family. And I could see with the hunters I have spoken with how not just a romanticized version, but it was very deeply in their families. It was very deep in their history, you know, telling stories amongst the guys about this hunting party or this hunting trip or that whitetail we harvested. Some of those connections with people, I think were even more pronounced for me during COVID because it was such extreme isolation where it was like you were avoiding people. And I don't know, I think I need, I need guy time out in the woods. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great getaway for sure. So yeah. like I said, if you ever want to get out sometime and come give this a try, you're welcome. Come up sometime and bring a buddy with you and I'll take you guys out and I'll show you everything. I'll show you the fields that they're tearing up. I'll, I'll show you where the pigs are staying. I'll give you a, a good good experience as far as understanding more on a, on a personal level of what's going I'll, on. I'll talk to you more about that. I am I am really interested. I'll have to, because I'm a novice, ask you a couple questions, get a, you know, a few details out of the way to make sure. I, I see hunting and I, I, my audience is going to be a little, little like taken aback by that, but I really see it as being a connection between all these other things that I love. And I'm really interested in seeing another side of Texas that I've not really explored. Somebody like yourself could be a huge gateway to a lot of these people that are in your community that are, that are your followers and their hesitation about hunting. Because I think that were you to come and have a, a real experience that's based on the right principles and, and see the things that can happen, it's something that you might open up a couple of people's eyes that, that they would then like to try it. And that's what my goal is, is I want everybody to be able to get in the outdoors and enjoy it and, uh, you know, experience what I've been blessed enough to experience throughout my life. Amazing. Listen, uh, thank you so much for uh, doing the podcast with me. I really, really appreciate it. People can find you right above your profile. Is it highplanehunts.com? High Plains with an S. High Plains Hunts. High Plains Hunts. Okay, no, I did spell it right. And then on Instagram, it's High Plains Hunts with an underscore between. For the Facebook right. page, I don't think it has that, but I wasn't able to mark it down. So yep. uh, listen, Perfect. Jeremy, I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for chatting with me. If you have any questions at all, just let me know. I'm going to go ahead and close this down. And if you'll wait just one second, I'll be right there with you. Thank you all for uh, participating in the podcast. It's really happy to uh, talk with Jeremy. Thank him again. And I'll see you guys soon on the Robert Gardner Wellness Podcast.